Hallelujah. Amen. You're blessed to be here. Amen. So we will carry on with what we started with. Let's all stand up and thank God for his grace and his mercies upon our lives. Hallelujah. Can we all thank him? Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want you to lift up your voices and thank God for whom he is. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we adore you. We magnify your name. Father, we sanctify you. We give you glory. We give you adoration in the house. For you are a good God. And there is no any other God like you. There is no one else like you, Lord. We give you all the praise and the thanks for who you are. May your name be praised forever and ever and ever and ever. For you are a good God. Father, we recognize your lordship. We recognize your leadership. We recognize that you have a great I am. And beside you, there is no any other God. Father, we sing for your glory. We give you praise in the house. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your spirit leading us. Oh God, we give you all the praise and the adoration. In the name of Jesus. Can we all give a big hand to our Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, hallelujah. Woo, praise God, praise God, praise God. We serve an awesome God. You may be seated. Oh, Passover time. What an amazing time in which we are. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Passover time. Passover time. We are excited about the Passover lamb. Hallelujah. And what is the most amazing is the love that the Father has for us. Yesterday we started and uh, if you were not here, please do yourself a favor, go back and listen. Because there are many things that were said which I will not be able to come back to them. But I want to tell you, we serve an amazing and awesome God. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. A God that never sinned, but yet brought a lamb as if he was a sinner. Hallelujah. Remember I, I told you one time that according to the law of Moses, the sinner is the one that brings the lamb. But in the case of God, they said Jesus, the lamb of God. So God brought a lamb on behalf of a sinner. It's like the priest provides the lamb for the sinner. Hallelujah. The lamb needs to be provided by the sinner and the priest needs to examine the lamb. But this time God brought the lamb himself. Amazing God. And like I told you last night, the blood was of the protection of the firstborn. But God didn't protect his firstborn. Hallelujah. I just want to Bring some of the stuff that we said last night for those who are you can catch me when I'm going now. That God in his mercy provided a lamb for himself and for us. And I told you that the, the angel of death didn't come to destroy everybody in the house. He came to destroy the firstborn. He was not targeting everybody. Hallelujah. He was targeting only the firstborn. 
He was not coming to destroy. That's why in the house of Pharaoh, only the, the male child died. No one else died. But you know, the firstborn that was supposed to be protected was offered. Jesus. And if you think that God does not love you, then you have a big problem. Hallelujah. So last night I told you, I want to start with that, that, that God introduced Jesus right in the beginning of the book of Genesis. Hallelujah. After the sin of Adam and Eve. Hallelujah. And after the death of Abel, the nine people that were born after that were introducing the Messiah. Hallelujah. If you study the history, the, 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 the story of the Messiah was written all over those people. Hallelujah. Last night I didn't want to give it, but I think I must give it because anyway we are in Passover. So let's go to the book of Genesis, chapter number 5. Genesis, chapter number 5. Genesis, chapter number 5. I want us to go very quickly. And uh, we're going to read it together. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hmm. Uh, let's read even from verse 1. It's a lot, but we're going to read it because I just want to do that before we carry on. Uh, they say, this is a book of a genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created men, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begotten a son in his likeness after his image and his, he named him Seth, hallelujah. This is the first after the death of Abel, Seth. Now, I want you to, to, to for those who are taking notes, if you are not taking notes, you can uh, memorize it. The name Seth means anointed or compensation. Seth means anointed or compensation or substitute. Hallelujah. Let's carry on. After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had a son and, he had son and daughters. So all the days of Adam, Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Okay? So Seth lived 100 years and five, 105 years and begot Enosh. Enosh. Now, the name Enosh means mortal, mortal, or flesh. Hallelujah. Mortal or flesh. Are you taking it? Then, let me sometimes skip so that we can uh, go quickly. Now, let's go to verse 9. Verse 9. Verse Enosh lived 9. 90 years and begot Canaan. Canaan. The name Canaan means possessor or purchase, purchaser. 
possessor or purchaser? Somebody that buys. Hallelujah. Now let's go to uh, verse 12. Verse 12, I say, Canaan lived 70 years and beget Mahalalel. The word Mahalalel means shining one of El, or God. Shining one. Shining one. Are you there with me? Verse, verse, uh, let's see. Now, verse 15. Verse 15. Mahalalel lived, lived 65 years and beget Jared. How do you read it? Jared or Jared, whatever you say. Jared means descending. Descending. Hallelujah. Then, let's go to verse 18. Verse 18 says, Jared lived 162 years and begot Enoch. Begot Enoch. Amen? The, 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 word, the name Enoch means dedicated one. A dedicated one. Hallelujah. Now, let's go to uh, verse 21. They said, <coughs> Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. Methuselah, his name means his death shall bring. His death shall bring. Okay? Let's go to uh, where are we now? Okay, let's go to verse 25. From verse 25, I say, Meshulah lived 187 years and begot Lemech. And Lemech means made low or poor. Made low or poor. And then, the last name that I want us to go to is in verse 28. Are you following me? Okay. Verse 28 says, Lemech lived 182 years and had a son, and he called his name Noah. Noah means rest. Hallelujah. So let me go back. Seth, anointed. All compensation. Enoch, mortal of flesh. Kenan, possessor, purchaser. Mahalel, mean the shining one. Jared, mean descending. Enoch, mean dedicated. Methuselah, his death shall bring. And uh, Lemech, made poor or low. Noah, rest. Let me tell you the sentence. You know, with God, he hides stuff. So all of his name. It's a sentence. Can I give you a sentence that is hidden here? Okay. Follow me up. The, the sentence, and, and God didn't put the names specially in order so that the one with wisdom may go and pick it. So I'll tell you what it is here. This is a sentence. 
the anointed one, the possessor of heaven and earth, will be made flesh. He will descend from heaven to earth, shining his light among us. He was poor in appearance, but dedicated to the will of his father, whose death shall bring rest to the whole world. And who is that? Can I read again? Okay, this is not taken from internet or from any book, please. <laughs> yeah, let me say it slowly. You won't find that. <laughs> you can Google, you won't find this sentence. You can find the meaning of the names, but you won't find it. Let me say it again. This is what the Holy Ghost gave me. The anointed one, the possessor of heaven and earth, the anointed one, the possessor of heaven and earth, will be made mortal or flesh. He will descend from heaven to earth. He will descend from heaven to earth. Are you there? Shining his light among us. Poor in appearance, poor in appearance, but dedicated to the will of the Father. Dedicated to the will of the Father. Poor in appearance, but dedicated to the will of the Father. Whose death shall bring rest to the world. And I say, who looks like that? Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Who looks like that? Jesus. So in the nine first name, the name of Jesus, the whole work of Jesus is confined. Are we not serving an amazing God? He has hidden those things in creation so that those who understand him may go and search it. He said to Daniel when he prophesied, he said, seal this a book of prophecy, because it's for a time. And you, Daniel, you will go to rest. And he said, people will go to and fro uh, for knowledge. But what did he say? He said, in the end, knowledge shall increase. And people will find out the mysteries of God through the knowledge of the Holy Ghost. So, so, so the names in the Bible, I can give you some other stuff, but the names... The whole Bible reveals Jesus. Yes. Everything in the Bible reveals Jesus. Remember I told you about Joseph. His story has nothing to do with him. It's all the story of Jesus. But even Benjamin, Benjamin, the son of my right hand, his story has nothing to do with himself. Hallelujah. Benjamin was a protected one. The one was with always with his father. He was the second born after Joseph from uh, the uh, mother of, 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 of Rachel. Hallelujah. There was a Joseph, there was a Benjamin. So in the prophetic context, we have a Benjamin. 
Jesus is the Joseph that has prepared a place for us. And we stay in the house of the Lord like Benjamin stayed with Jacob. So in this Passover, I want you to have your understanding enlightened. Say hallelujah. So that you may know what this is about. I told yesterday, but I want to come back because maybe I was too quick on some stuff. I want to start with uh, Exodus 12, 8 and explain again before I can go on. Exodus 12, 8. The Passover lamb. Exodus 12, chapter number, Exodus chapter number 12, verse 8. For the PowerPoint, can you take us there so that we can quickly see what God is saying here? I said, we shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted on fire. I explained to you uh, that the fire is the wrath of God coming on the dedication of the flesh or, and, uh, as a sacrifice. We are leavened bread, and leavened bread talks about the purity, talks about uh, uh, something about sin. So Jesus is the unleavened bread also. You need to understand that Jesus has no sin. So he was a picture of the unleavened bread. Hallelujah. And he said you shall eat the unleavened bread. It means that you shall feed on Jesus. Hallelujah. Then he goes on and he said, and with bitter herb you shall eat. Do not eat it raw nor boil. Why are you just changing like this? Okay, let's go back. They shall eat the flesh on that night roasted on fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat. They shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boil it, nor boil at all with water, but roasted in the fire. Its bread with its, 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 its head with its leg and its entrails. Hallelujah. Stop there. It, it talks about, don't boil it. Don't boil it. Roast it with fire. Roast it with fire. I say it talks about the judgment of the Lord. Hallelujah. Then it talks about the bitter herb. And I told you that why does it talk about bitter herb? Bitter herb speaks about the cost. When you eat the Passover lamb, one thing that you must remember is the death. Can I talk you to the New Testament, or not, not even New Testament, but to the transitional period before the New Testament? Amen? Jesus was the embodiment of the New Testament, but the New Testament came into force at the death of Jesus. Amen? So I'm talking about the period before the death of Jesus. He said something. Let's go and read it, what Jesus himself said. Let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse 26. 1 Corinthians 11, 26. Uh, we're talking about the meaning of Passover. 1 Corinthians, uh, 20, 1 Corinthians 11, 26. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's, the Lord's death until he comes. He didn't say you proclaim the Lord's resurrection. The eating has everything to do with the death, not the resurrection. Come on. As, as often as you eat, you proclaim what? The Lord's death. Not resurrection. The Lord's death. Because his death was the one that brought redemption, not his resurrection. 
His resurrection brought righteousness. His death brought redemption. Hallelujah. He said you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So he's saying every time you have communion, be in a state where you remember that somebody died for your freedom. Hallelujah. So the death of Jesus maybe must be a vivid experience in the Christian journey. If you forget the death, you forget where you're coming from. It's like the guy says, every time you have my birthday, remember that I died. Hallelujah. It's like somebody dies on his birthday. I'm just thinking, every time that time comes, although you remember the fun time you had, but his death is there. He said, remember my death until I come. Now, let me say something before I move on. There is a, there is a, a thing going on in the church. Hallelujah. <laughs> I want to be careful here. Because most of you, we all do. So that's why I want to be careful. There's something going on in the body of Christ and in the church. Where they say, we all say, apply the blood. You understand? Apply the blood. Now when people want to apply the blood, what do they say? I apply the blood over my children. I apply the blood over my house. Amen? We say that. Okay, I'm not saying don't say it, but I want to show you a better way. Okay. Did you see the disciple praying that type of prayer? Have you even read in the Bible that type of prayer? Come on. You are Bible scholars. Have you read in the Bible where we were urged to apply the blood? Come on, come on, come on, come on. I want you to tell me, is it there? So I realized something. You don't, you don't say applying the blood. You do application of the blood. You know how you do it? By having communion. Because he said, when you drink and you eat... You are proclaiming the Lord's death. The word death there means his blood. So he said, when you have communion, it's the signal that you apply the blood. Hallelujah. Now you said, why in the Old Testament, Exodus they say, put it on the doorpost. In the Old Testament, were they not forbidden to eat blood? So why would God tell them to eat if he forbade them to eat? In the New Testament, didn't Jesus urge her to drink his blood? What is the difference between drinking and eating? It all goes to your system. So what? <laughs> so in the New Testament, they applied it because they couldn't eat it. In the New Testament, we have moved to a place where we can absorb it. Hallelujah. What is the most powerful thing? To have it inside of you or to have it in your house and you can leave it there? So that's why the Bible says, as often. It didn't 
didn't say when you came. He said as you often, as you as often as you do, not as sometimes, as often as you do. Remember, in the early church, there was no meeting that does not end by communion. You can study the history. So each one should have communion set at your house. So instead of waking up, I apply the blood. I apply, just have communion. <laughs> Some of you even take oil. The devil is not afraid of oil. <laughs> That's why most demons are still coming because he's not afraid of oil. Who told you? was never a mean to anoint houses. Ha! So, I just, I just want to tell you that the event, the event, look at in the book of Genesis, I think Genesis 14, or when Melchizedek met Abraham, what did he present it to Abraham? Wine and bread. Not oil and bread. Wine and bread. And they ate together. So the best way to apply the blood is to have communion. That's the best way. You are quiet. I say you are quiet. Because we love, we love so much rituals that we are so entangled in the rituals that we don't know the meaning of a ritual anymore. If I can tell you who started this applying of blood. A preacher said it. We never studied it and we all went. And we start to apply. But when you go to the Bible, you don't see it. So why do we do something that is not in scripture? Hey. So, continue to apply your blood. <laughs> But for those who want to hear, have communion as often as the Lord leads you to. Because communion is a statement that you participate in the flesh of a lamb that was offered. The blood is you participate in the life. The Bible says they overcome by the, by the, and by the word of a testimony. So the blood is not word. The blood is a substance. So you cannot release a substance just by word. Hallelujah. So what we do, I just want to, because we are in Passover, I want to bring right principles. So I want you to just have communion. Hallelujah. Now let's go to Exodus chapter number 12, verse 11. I want to show you the manner in which they ate or, or what did they do when they were eating it. 
uh, Exodus 12:11. Are you here with me? Yes. Okay, Exodus 12:11. Let's go quickly. We have we should finish in half an hour. I say, and that's a, and that you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, sandal on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. Now, what does it tell us? It's telling us about readiness. Why were, why were they getting ready to escape? Amen? So Passover talks about the readiness to leave a place to a better place. So Passover has the idea of getting ready to go to the promised land. So the whole event of Passover is telling us to get ready for the return of Christ. So the idea of Passover is readiness. Readiness because you're going to escape the bondage. You're going to escape Egypt. The picture of bondage. And as believers, we know uh, that the only place that is a place of rest is called heaven. So Passover is not just to celebrate the death and resurrection. Passover is to remind ourselves that we are here temporarily. That's why I say, when you are eating, don't sit. Standing is a readiness to go. Unfortunately, many Christians have settled. We are sitting behind big tables. And we forgot that at midnight... There will be a door of escape that will come. Matthew 25 talks about the, five, the ten virgins. It says that they were ready with their lamps. Hallelujah. At midnight there was a cry in the land. And the Bible says that when they woke up, five were ready and five were not. Can I submit to you that their lamps were burning throughout the night? So it's not that the lamp was not burning, but the oil was not enough to keep the lamp burning. So this Passover, the Lord wants me to remind you that it's coming very, very soon. I don't know if you... So when you eat this Passover, it is standing, don't sit down. Prepare. That's the idea of Passover. Prepare. And let, let's see the elements. I, I love it when you study, when you read it. It said, when you eat it, can, can, can I make a, a, a comparison between Exodus chapter number 12, uh, verse 11, and Ephesians chapter number 6, verse 4 to 17? Huh? Let's read. Let's read again Exodus chapter number 12 verse 11. Quickly. And when you eat, you shall, with a belt, there is a belt there. Belt where? On your waist. Keep it like that. Belt on your waist. Now go to Ephesians chapter number 6, verse 14. Ephesians 6, 14. Ephesians 6, 14. 
It says, stand therefore having guarded your waist with the belt of truth. These people had their belt on their waist. Ephesians says, you must also have a belt on your waist. Hallelujah. Let's read still in Exodus 12, 11. There is a second element I want to point out. Exodus 12, 11. You're going to jump between Exodus and Ephesians, so get ready. Exodus 12, 11. We go back to Exodus. It says, having, having guarded your waist. No, Exodus 12, 11. We go back to the old one. Okay. It says, shall eat it with the belt of your sandals on your feet. I want you to go to Ephesians. Chapter number 6, verse 15. I want you to go there. Ephesians 6, 15. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The sandals are in Ephesians. The belt is in Ephesians. I want to show you a last element there. Let's go again in Exodus 12, 11, the last element. Exodus 12, 11. Exodus 12, 11. Sorry for people media. I'm jumping a little bit around. Can be a bit. And your staff in where? I want you to go to Ephesians chapter number 6, verse 17. Ephesians 6, 17. Ephesians 6, 17. And take, no, Ephesians yeah. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword is held in the hand. So you will understand that the readiness in Ephesians 6 is kind of a readiness in Exodus 12. Now, in Ephesians chapter number 6, the mistake that people make, they think Ephesians chapter number 6 is talking about a fight. Ephesians chapter number 6 never talk about this fight. Can we read again? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter number 6 verse 10. Ephesians 6, 10. We're going to read from verse 10. Ephesians 6 from verse 10. It's a final, my brethren. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his, of his spirit. Let's go, 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the walls of the devil. So it's about standing. Now, what cheats you is the verse that follows. That's where your che- it cheats you. <laughs> it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, and I won't go into all you are. But what he's saying, he said, we do not wrestle. He's not talking about a fighting here, because your fight is to stand. So who are you standing against? It's the singing that he called the wrestling. Hallelujah. He's not talking about engaging with principalities. He's talking about standing your ground. And if you carry on, after he talks about all these uh, thing, uh, darkness and all these places, let's go. Therefore, take up the whole armor that you may be able to withstand in the evil days. And having done all to stand, 
Let's go again. Stand therefore. So the, the deal here is about standing. Because the days are evil. How many people will be able to stand their ground? So, so why are we standing our ground? Because the days are evil. So we don't need to compromise. That's why we have a full armor of God to stand. Because the battle is already won, so you don't need to fight another battle anymore. All you need to do is to stand your ground. Jesus never came for you to fight a second battle. He came for you to stand. He gave you the, the, the Holy Ghost so that you may stand your ground whenever things are happening. So these things that you engage with principalities are nonsense. That I can say it with strength. Because you are engaging yourself in the realm that you can't stand. Let me tell you something. The realm of principality, you can't stand there. This battle is not your battle. It's a battle of archangels. It's not a battle of the body of Christ. And that's why some of you are suffering painful defeats. Because you place yourself into a realm that God has not placed you. God placed you to save souls. Now you are, you are wasting all your time fighting. You don't even know who those principalities are. You imagine their names. You don't even know who, who these people are. Jude warns us. He said there are people in the body of Christ that are not wise. He said they speak against dignitaries. As if they are speaking about And the dignitaries he's talking about are those principalities. He said even Archangel Michael. When he was struggling over the body of Moses with the, with, the, with the devil, he said he did not dare to say things to him. And he said, all he said is that, may the Lord rebuke you. So you are called to stand. I say you are called to stand. Doesn't matter what happens, stand your ground. You are called to stand, man. You are equipped to stand. Help me here, Holy Spirit, help me. You know, there's something I need to tell you. That when the Bible talks about wickedness in heavenly places, wickedness in high places, yes, wickedness in high places, there in Ephesians, he's not talking about devils. There is only one high place now, it's the church. So the wickedness God is talking about is the wickedness that has come to the church. That's the high place. The highest place on earth is not the kingdom of darkness. It's Mount Zion. You need to understand that. He said it will be the highest of the mountains. So the highest place he's talking about is the church. Study your scripture well. So that was just to throw in there. So that I may spare some of you of your many troubles. Yes, I'm telling the truth. When God does not call you and give you a sphere to influence and you try to influence yourself, you suffer damage. Because God never called you to that sphere. 
come on, come on. When the disciples were arrested, have you ever seen them praying over the principalities over Jerusalem? They were not concerned about us. They only say, Lord, stretch your hand so that in the name of Jesus we may perform signs and miracles. So they were not concerned about devils. They were concerned about God talking to them. They had a straight line with God. Therefore, they knew that everything that is participating in the assignment, the Lord will take care of that. So, so what must we do? We say, Lord, give us an open door so that we may preach the gospel with boldness. Like Apostle Paul, Paul said, he said, pray for me so that utterance may be given to me that I may preach the gospel. So when you are going into a place and preach, forget about this. I know people teach on that, but forget about that. What you, when you go to a place to preach, what you ask God is utterance. You ask him to give you open door in that place. Give you utterance. He knows what to do to give it to you. He knows. He knows which principality he must remove. Imagine you are asking God to remove a certain principality and it's not even the principality. And then when you get there, you get beaten and say, Lord, we dealt with principality. He says, this guy is not principality here. So it's safe to ask God to do his own work. Hallelujah. Asking God for utterances. Asking God for open doors. Asking God for favor when you go. We're going to Batu. Leave those principalities alone. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> Come on, prayer team. Prayer team. I don't need that. I need that you may pray for us so that grace may be given to us. That when we step into the land, doors are open. The heart of people are open for us to preach the gospel. Because if you preach against the strong man, you are, if you pray against the strong man, you are praying against me. Yes. Why am I saying that? Because when God sends you in a place, he makes you a strong man in the place. He said to Joshua, every place that you touch with your foot, I have given to you. You are, you are possessor of that place. Now you are praying against the strong man. I'm the one preaching there. Every Christian becomes the strong man in the place where he is. But if you don't know that, you trade that for other people. That's why if you, if he said you shall decree a thing and it shall come to pass. It means if a strong, the mouth of a strong man that, 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 that controls the place. So when you know who you are, remember when Jesus came, he said you cannot enter a house of a strong man and still without catching him. Jesus was talking about the devil, not you, not, not, not other demons. So he said he's going to subdue. Satan, and we go to take this boy. It's a whole new way of thinking. Go and study. I'm not saying take it. Go study. And I promise you, if you see in the scripture a place where they were praying for a strong man over an area, come and tell me. I will come here and repent. And say, I was wrong. I, have, I read my Bible from cover to cover, but I missed that place. I'll tell you I was wrong. I'm not afraid. To tell you I was wrong. There are some stuff I was wrong. You understand? But I want us to be Bible students. Don't go because everybody is doing it. Because we have done it for years in the church. 
go and sit and say, Holy Spirit, show me the place where this was done. And if you don't find it, be honest to stop. If you don't find it, don't go on your tradition. If you don't find it, stop it. If you find it, come and educate us. Can I get an amen? Even if you don't feel like that now, you must still say it. Hallelujah. I want to finish with this because we are in Passover. Matthew chapter number 26. I want us to read from verse 1 to 13. I've had that Bible study already at home, but I want to have it here because it, it was very blessed. Matthew 26 from verse 1 to 13. He said, now it, come to, it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these saying that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Uh, then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and uh, plotted to take Jesus by treachery and kill him. Uh, but they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flax of a very costly fragrance oil, and she poured it on his head and sat, uh, as he sat at the table. Uh, but when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Uh, stop that. Bring it back. I want to say something there. Do you know that this is something funny? That the disciples knew exactly the cost of that perfume. Maybe we were in fashion. Okay, let's go. <laughs> okay. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have a poor with you always, but me, you do not have me always. You, uh, for in pouring this fragrance oil on, on my body, she did it for my burial. Surely I say to you, whoever this gospel is preached in the whole world, that this woman, has, what this woman has done, sorry, can I come back? What movement has done will be, will also be told as a memorial to her. Hallelujah. Now, first question, why did Jesus go back to Bethany before crucifixion? Why? I was wondering. And then I went to look up the meaning of the name Bethany. And you know what Bethany means? Huh? Hey. Bethany means affliction. House of affliction. House of affliction. So his very presence there tells of what is going to happen to him. He went to a house of affliction before the real affliction. Hallelujah. He sat in the house of affliction. You know that Bethany was the hometown of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And the resurrection of Lazarus took place in B. 
Bethany. So why? Now we understand why Jesus rose, uh, raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus was saying, in the place where affliction will take place, resurrection will take place. So he went in the same place and fulfilled both prophetic words, affliction and resurrection. Can I submit to you that where your affliction is, that where your resurrection also is? Can I submit to you that the place where the devil thinks is crushing you, that's where we're going to rise from? Uh, that the house of affliction is also a house of resurrection. So when things are going tough, know that there is a place of resurrection in the very place where you are being afflicted. No wonder Joseph called his son Ephraim. Ephraim means God has vindicated me in the place where I was humiliated. So you need to understand where there is humiliation, there is vindication. I'm here to tell you that this Passover is a Passover of hope. That whatever you have gone through, there is a place where God is going to arise and the enemies will be scattered. This is a place for you to know that doesn't matter where you are, how much you have suffered. That's your Bethany. But in the same Bethany, Lazarus was raised from the dead. Huh. Bethany was significant. Do you understand? that Jesus went from heaven, went to heaven from Bethany. Because Mount Olive is on the border of Bethany and Jerusalem. When you go to the other side of Mount of Olive, it's Bethany. When you come to the other side, it's Jerusalem. And Jesus, when he rose, is stood of Mount Olive. Ah. If you read the scripture, can we read so that you can know what I'm talking about? Huh? Okay, let's read John chapter number, no, no, let's, let's not read that. Let's read Luke chapter number 24, verse 50 to 51. Luke 24, 50 to 51. Luke 24, 50 to 51. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And he led them out as far as where? And he lifted up his hand and blessed them. 51. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Where did he go from? Do you know he's coming back to Bethany? Yes. Let me tell you where it is. Let's read the book of Zechariah chapter number 14. Let's read Zechariah 14.4. Zechariah 14.4. Are you getting something? Zechariah 14, 4. Let's read it. Zechariah chapter number 14, verse 4. Ah, I need time. Lord, give me grace. Zechariah 14, 4. Guys, please. Okay. 14, 4. I could read it, but I want you to be witness of it because you think I'm just saying it and it's not in the Bible. And the answer, in that day, his feet will stand of where? Mount Olive, which faces Jerusalem on the east. When Jesus is coming back, he's coming back on Mount Olive, which is in the vicinity of Bethany. This brings me to a place. 
Please bring me to a place exciting, please. It means, as I always tell you, that your place of your affliction is the place of your lifting. Keep that principle. The place of your affliction is the place of your lifting. Jesus will not come back, like my father used to say, in Johannesburg. He will not come back in New York. He's coming back on Mount Olives. He went from there. He's coming back to there. Jesus is telling me tonight, when there is pain in your life, know that that place, pain, will be a place of breakthrough. Know that. God will not let you be humiliated and not vindicate you in the place where you were humiliated. That's the message of hope of Passover. He will always do that. Now let's go to the ladies, the lady that poured the alabaster box and then we finish there. The Bible says, she came with a costly perfume. And the Bible says she poured it. Some version says she broke it. And she anointed Jesus. All the people, he has been telling his disciples that he will be crucified. But no one got ready for his burial. A woman that was not told by anyone. Bought into the revelation of heaven. Walked in the midst of them. With an alabaster box. And the Bible says she poured it on Jesus. And those with revelation that Jesus is going to die never knew that Jesus needs preparation for burial. You know, all of us, we are trusting God for something. But there are people in history that decided to take care of Jesus that couldn't do anything for them. Joseph of Arimathea was one of them. When Jesus died, the Bible says the body was hanging on the cross. All the disciples have fled. Those who ate the bread of multiplication are gone. Those who received a blessing from Jesus are all gone. There was a businessman, Joseph of Arimathea, that was in Jerusalem, that says, I never benefited of him when he was alive. But I do not stop myself. I will carry the body. How many people can carry the body that cannot give anything to them? Because our relationship with him is just based on his resurrection. What about his death? Because a dead man can do nothing for you. And Jesus said, it's this part of me that you must proclaim. Those who will love me even if I do nothing for them. Those who can love me if I don't give them breakthrough. Those who can stay with me if I receive nothing. Who can carry the dead body? Just a word. Now, the woman went, poured the perfume. And the disciples were saying, no man, this is a waste. We must sell it. Other translations say, Judas was your leader. I say he was not saying that because he cared for the poor. 
he said that because he was a money keeper and he helped himself in the money bag sometime. And Jesus never confronted him. Yes. Some people say, if a prophet, if he's a really prophet, why does he not know this? Jesus did not worry about that. He allowed the thief to be in his circle because the thief had an assignment for his destiny. But Christian, we have that weird idea that we must surround ourselves with those who love us alone. But those who love you sometimes can prevent you from your breakthrough because their own compassion can steal you out of a place of struggle where God is doing something in your life. You see, if you were, if you were somebody else, you would have stole Joseph back, Joseph back to Jacob. When Joseph went to Egypt, if we were there as intercessors, we would have gone and steal him back and say, we're going to restore you back to your father. But that was not what God was doing. God said, leave the boy in Egypt. Uh, because in Egypt, I'm preparing him for salvation and deliverance. Let me tell you something. It's not all the breakthroughs that are breakthroughs that help you. There are some breakthroughs that are cutting short your life. You need to be consistent with God even when there's no breakthrough. The Judaism, uh, or not Judaism, the, Jude, the, the why, why must I say that? The, the spirit of Judas. The spirit of Judas is that spirit that has a fake compassion. We want to help the poor, but it was actually about himself. Just a little. The Bible says, the woman poured the perfume. And I said, and most of you know it, that the alabaster box is, is a perfume that they put in that box. And they gave it to a young virgin. And she only used it in the day of her wedding, where she poured the perfume on her husband and on the bed, so that the first night may be a night of fragrance. That's the alabaster box, sorry. So when the woman gave the alabaster box, she has given her future away. She has given what she desired the most in her life away. And because uh, that was a testimony of a purity. That was a testimony that one day I'll get married. And then she poured it on Jesus. And Jesus said she has done that for my burial. Instead of doing it for her husband, she did it for me. And Jesus said, wherever this gospel is preached, the story of this woman will be told. But can I submit to you that this story is only told in the book of Luke. Do you know that Peter never mentioned the story? So it means Peter didn't preach the gospel. Do you know that Paul never mentioned that story? The Bible says wherever the gospel is preached, it will be mentioned, but the disciples didn't mention it. Do you know why? Because they mentioned it. Because the story was not too much about the physical act of the woman, but the story was about surrendering everything to Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus was talking about. That wherever the gospel is preached, it will be a gospel of surrendering to the Lordship of Christ. The gospel of seeing value in Christ and giving your best to him. That's the story of a woman. So whenever you tell people, give your best to Christ, you are preaching about the woman in Bethany because she poured out her best to Jesus Christ. 
And Jesus says, she's preparing me for my burial. Wow. That must be a strong perfume that can prevent the scent of a dead body. That must be a strong perfume. And the woman carried it all her life and waited for the prophetic moment and she poured it out. In this Passover, what do you carry that is like your alabaster box that you can pour on Jesus and say, you are my Lord and my Savior. You are the great I am. You are the one that I will always follow. Doesn't matter. You are the one that is God in my life. I will lay down this thing for you because alabaster box is an earthly thing. And she realized that I can lay down an earthly thing to reap an eternal thing. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. This Passover is about this. It's about surrendering. This Passover is about surrendering. Not surrendering in the place of a religious mind. Surrendering in the place of knowing that you can do nothing if it's not him. He said, you are the branches, I am the vine. You know, John 15 was preached also at the, at the time where Jesus was supposed to go to the cross. John 15 actually is, taught, is called the statement of the deathbed. Yes. You know, on your deathbed, people, when they are on their deathbed, everything they say is important. You understand? Because we know that's the last thing they're going to release before they go. So when somebody has money and is about to die, everybody is listening. <laughs> because we want to know where this money is going. <laughs> you understand? We want to know where the houses are going. Jesus, John 4, 15, Jesus preached, he introduced what Christian life is about. After he has done all the miracles, he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you are not in me, you cannot bear fruit. He introduced that bearing fruit is a function of believing in him. He said, apart from me, it means if you are not believing in Christ, you cannot bear fruit. And he said, he said that those who bear fruit, my father will prune so that they may bear more fruit. He introduced the idea of pruning. And pruning is not an easy exercise because pruning deals with stripping you from the things that are not productive so that you can be at the place where it's productive. Pruning means sometimes it will disengage you from people that are not productive so that you can be productive. And sometimes it's painful. He said, those I love, I discipline. Hallelujah. And this is the story of a woman. A woman with the eyes of an eagle. That she looked through the windows of time and understood that the Messiah has done it all. From there, there was no miracles anymore. From there, the work was completed. And from there, those who love him should serve him. A story of dedication. A story of surrendering and laying down so that we may come to a place where we understand that apart from him, we don't have a life. The disciple wanted to prevent her, just to leave her alone. Let me tell you something. That when you come to the place of real surrendering, your enemies won't be those who hate you. Your enemies will be those who are around you. There is a step of dedication when you take in your life, even your people will start to criticize you. 
because it will be too much for me. People love those who are in the what they do. Jesus says, if, you, if, you, if the, law, the world hates you, rejoice because they hate me. They hate me before. So it means if they love you, start to worry. Yes, yes. When everybody is celebrating you, be very worried. Because Jesus says, you won't be popular. People won't like you because you love them. No, it's not an excuse to be nasty. Say, no, people don't like me. Change. Something wrong with you. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you that this gospel of the truth is a very powerful gospel. The Lamb of God was crucified so that you may have life. Hallelujah. I say the Lamb of God was crucified so that you may have life. And that's the beauty of the story of Passover. The beauty of the story of laying down lives. John 15 says, greater love than this, there is not the one that lays down his life for his friend. He says, I call you friend, no longer servant, because I've told you everything that you should know. He says, I've opened my heart to you, so you are not, you are not servants anymore. You have become friends. It means there's a place where you migrate from servanthood to friendship. And this is the place where we want all to migrate to, where the Father can call us friend. You know, the Bible says something very important. He says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The book of Proverbs. Hallelujah. So, it's so important to understand that we are all children of God, but we are not all friends. And you don't declare yourself friend. God calls you friend. So I am a friend of God. Pico, he, he calls me friend. <laughs> listen, listen. You, you don't know what you are talking about. We are assuming when God has a friend, he reveals everything to him. Look at Abraham. He said, I can't hide anything from Abraham because he's my friend. You, you beg God for 10 years before he tells you something. He said, my friend. Come before God, you are groaning, Lord, I want to hear, I want to hear, I want to hear, I want to hear. Nothing. Then you stand up, but am I am a friend of God? Which friend is not talking to you? you? You must be honest. We need to be honest with ourselves. That whatever we say, we need to live it. I'm tired of saying things that I don't live. So if I say I'm a friend of God, I want to experience friendship with God. It's not a status. Like you put on your WhatsApp status, he's my friend. No. This thing is real. And in Israel, we know those who pierce that dimension. When they really became friends of God, they told me about a story of Catherine Kuman that blew my mind. She became so much friend with God that sometimes she was not aware of people around her. We will notice everything. God is calling us to a higher dimension in this Passover. Amen. I'm saying, God, you know, with God, it starts with humility. We need to acknowledge that, Lord, I want to be what I say. I want to be what I proclaim. If I say I am a child of God, I want to bear fruit. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. So if I say he calls me friend, then I want to receive a friendship. Don't call me friend if we are not talking. 
Or if I ask you a thing, you don't tell me, don't call me your friend. Good friend, open your heart to each other. Hallelujah. I'm praying for grace. Amen. I say I'm praying for grace. Amen. You know what God told me? He said this Passover must be Passover of effectiveness. Amen. He said we must be effective in our work and fruitful in our work with him. It means don't be ashamed to go before God and say, Lord, I'm proclaiming it, but I'm not seeing it. I know you have given it to me because we have it, but I want to see it in operation in my life. And that's my cry. I want to see what I say. If I say by strap I am healed, I want to walk in divine health. What does it have to say? I am healed, I am, but I'm still sick. Listen, I want to walk in divine health. Hallelujah. I want to peace that dimension where I don't say thing to say. I say because that's who I am. And I can prove it. By my way, I can prove it. When Jesus said he was the son of God, he said, if you don't believe me, believe because of the evidence of the works. So they can doubt you until the works are there. Hallelujah. I'm praying for God to manifest his works in us and through us. So that when they doubt us, they can see because of evidence of the works. So when I'm saying I'm a child of God, I need, don't need to convince you. You look at my works and you say he's a real child of God. You understand? When I say that I am blessed, I don't need to convince you. You look at me, you say he's blessed. You understand? Because the Holy Ghost matures those fruit in me and brings them out. I allow the Holy Ghost to find expression for me. So that it's not my own efforts. But it's the Holy Ghost in me doing it. But I need to come to a place where I say, Lord, I want you to do it through me. Hallelujah. I pray that God may bless us tonight. I pray that God may bless us. That may empower us. Hallelujah. This is the Passover of victory. I'm telling you, the Passover of victory. This is the Passover where God wants to manifest grace in us. So that we may be witnesses and may be a living testimony. Can we all stand up? Thank you, Jesus. And I want you to pray this. I want you to pray this. I want you to say, Lord, not my own efforts. Say, Lord, not my own efforts. I can't do it by my own. It's not my strength. It's your strength through me. But today, I humble myself. And I say, Lord, do it. Because if I want to do it, I will fail. I need you to bear fruit through me. I need you to live your life through me. I am willing. Lord, thank you for the Holy Ghost. Let your spirit manifest in me and through me. You say this is a time of victory. I want to see victory. I want to experience victory. Now open your mouth and pray on your own for just one minute and then we're going home. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, as we lay those ideas that are not of you down, we choose today to say, Lord, the battle is not ours anymore. The battle is yours. My Father, do it through us. 
Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Father, you are the one that will arise, and the enemies shall be scattered. Arise from me, Lord, and I pray that you may give me grace. This is a Passover of repositioning. In this Passover, you will be repositioned in the assignment that God has for you here on earth. And that's why I preach this type of messages. Because God said it's a time of realignment and repositioning. Uh, because you need to enter the work that God has purpose for you here on earth. You need to go and be effective. You need to go and show that God is alive through your life. And you are positioning yourself through this open window. Father, I thank you. I thank you. There is an open window. People believe me when I'm telling you. God is saying there is an open window. God is going to manifest things on the earth. On the earth in this time. God is going to manifest things on the earth in this time that will blow your mind. Hallelujah. Let me say this and maybe I'll back out your mind a bit and you go to sleep with that. Do you know that nature is submitted to the sons of God? Do you understand that? And I know that God said in the last days there will be war, rumors of the war, earthquake and all this stuff. It's prophetic. But do you know that it's not necessary that it should happen where you are? I don't know if you catch what I'm saying. It's not necessary. So, I want to say, as a body, we can arise and say, Lord, those floods that are killing people, the raging of the seed, we put and stop to it oh, in yes. the name of Jesus. Oh, yes. That we will not be caught by surprise. Oh, yes. Do you understand? They say he set a limit to the sea. Oh, yes. It's in the Bible. It's in your Bible. Why is the sea crossing the limit that God set? It's rebellion. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. So are you here in South Africa? Yeah. Let's raise our hands and speak to the, to the waver in South Africa. Oh, yeah. Can we do that tonight? Oh, yeah. And say, Lord, we thank you for the rain, but we don't want a killing rain. Oh, yes. We don't want a rain that destroys houses and kills people. Yeah. We pray for grace. That wherever you are, we are, you have given us a territory. We pray that those things may stop. That you may give us a gentle rain that will be a blessing to people. I want you to speak. Take your position as sons today. Speak as sons of the Most High God. For life to be spared. So that if there is flood, let it not be in the area where there are people. Let a flood happen somewhere else. Thank you. I give you praise. And let's pray for those in, in, in Natal that are really down now. Some of them, their family livelihood is destroyed. Pray that God may have mercy and intervene right now in the name of Pray for the people that are in a place where there is a flood. Pray for them and ask God to, to just break through for them. Hallelujah. Do we believe? Do we believe? Let it be so in the name of Jesus. Let it be so in Jesus' name.
So in this Passover, we have entered another realm of manifestation. And I pray that you may arise as sons and daughters of the Most High God, wherever you are, so that the power of God may be manifested. Please don't be like a, a chicken anymore. Be like a lion. Amen. Hallelujah. Lion and lioness. So that the grace of the Lord may be manifested wherever you are. I pray that God may bless you. And please don't miss tomorrow night because we are going to conclude our conference for tomorrow night. Hallelujah. God bless you. Shalom.